our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Phase Zero, Episode 16. It's time for a big episode today. I am your host, Brandon Davis. Joined today, Jenna Anderson is here. Hey, everybody. Aaron Perrine is back on the program. Ready to rock, baby. Let's do this. And you all know us, so we're just going to jump straight into it because we have a really big show and I'm very excited about it. We have a special guest. I've been talking about it on Twitter all week. You know, I'm fired up. Our guest today has directed two episodes of The Walking Dead, one of which is a personal favorite of mine. Introduced my good friend Tom Payne as Jesus to the to the show. Uh, the resume includes Nosferatu, The Handmaid's Tale. Ironically enough, there is a title on Kari Skoglund's resume called Endgame. Directed an episode of a show called Endgame. Not Avengers Endgame, though, a different Endgame. Uh, a Canadian director showed off all her talent that she's accumulated through the years of work with The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Our guest today is director Kari Skoglund. Hello. Nice Hello, to be here. Kari. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. My goodness, it's been a wonderful wild ride with the, um, with the boys on Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> wrangling them all around the world, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at one point, I think uh, Sebastian was completely covered head to toe uh, as we were, you know, heading overseas. Uh, and it was, you know, the first of the pandemic. or Maybe it was coming back. I guess it was coming back. Uh, <laughs> so he was like, because we were all very, you know, nervous about what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we appreciate y'all putting in the hard work at those times because the show was awesome. And this entertainment has been getting us through. So thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for coming on the show. So uh, if you're ready, we could jump in and talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah, let's please go for it. I want to start with the costume, which was, which was the most exciting part of the last episode for me was seeing this Captain America costume. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. How many how many iterations of the costume were there, like in terms of concept art or maybe that were actually created? And were you guys were filming outdoors. Were you worried about it leaking? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was shocking that it didn't leak. Frankly, I, I, that's a testimony to, you know, everybody on the on the show and the, uh, the team that is in in charge of that, whoever that is, but we had people cloaked and, you know, to, as they walked from set to, to, um, to their, their trailers and wherever they would be in public eye. But, uh, no, the, it took many months of a, a big team and they do an amazing job of, you know, cause every detail is, it has to be thought about. Uh, and we did probably, I don't know, 20 different iterations, all subtly different. Uh, it truthfully wasn't, you know, radical, uh, big swings at, Overall, the same design was, you know, different versions of the same basic idea. But, you know, it's so detailed and they have to take into consideration not just the the suit and the look, but how it feels, you know, the, the actual material it's made of, how it will wear, because, of course, it has to, you know, he has to be able to move and do stunt work in it and, um, you know, all the, the minutiae that goes into it. And then it has to be built and it takes about, I don't know, two to three months to to build it, just just literally the so-called so, and I'm sure there's many different ways of how it comes together. So, yeah, a lot of work. came out great. Uh, hi, Kari. Um, so, 
I wanted to ask about Sam's speech. Uh, it was really moving. It's like the emotional centerpiece of the last episode. I was wondering how much uh, Anthony had to do with it because I watched the episode of Hot Wings when he uh, Hot Ones where he did a, a Shakespearean soliloquy on the spot while like about to pass out from the wings. So I know he can deliver a monologue. How did you guys yeah. know about crafting it? Yeah, well, that was also many months of work. Uh, and he and Malcolm, uh, Anthony was very involved in that. And um, they went back and forth quite a bit, as did we, you know, it sort of went through all of us. Uh, and, you know, the most, the striking thing, and this was informed, uh, we actually filmed that toward the end of the schedule, and um, which was kind of great because we were, as you go, as you can imagine, particularly a show of this size and scale and scope, a lot changes, you know, not big changes, but we get informed by different things as we go. And, you know, the Isaiah Bradley moments, we had, we knew what they were. We had filmed them. And so that was very heartfelt. We had tweaked some of the GRC scenes. And so we knew what that was. So ultimately, because this is a very racially charged, um, you know, show of discussing what, what, it, what that shield means to Sam, what it means to Bucky, what it means to Carly even, um, and we had really taken it out for a road test. Now we wanted that speech not to not to tie it up all in a nice, neat little bow. We wanted it to uh, open doors and op- continue the conversation. And so what was great, I thought some of the, the most poignant ideas was, you know, you can do better. What you've got the power. Now what are you going to do with it? And those are discussion starters and they're motivated to, or they're motivators, I suppose. And that's really what that speech wanted to be rather than a, oh, by the way, you know, let me tie it all up and I've done this thing and now it's all solved. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. That, that really landed the, the central theme of the show perfectly. It came out so well. Uh, now I want to talk about Bucky Barnes also. I talked to Malcolm the other day and he told me that you really wanted to work with motorcycles he knew all along there was going to be a motorcycle. Tell me about your love of, of doing action scenes with motorcycles. Well, you know, on uh, some of the work that I've done in the past, I've done quite a bit of car chase work. And then I did some uh, m- motocross style of, of work uh, on off-road bikes and such. And so I really enjoyed, you know, slapping cameras all over, uh, you know, different crazy places. I did, you know, for the show – one of the, um, not just motorcycles, but the aerial stuff and all that, I looked at a lot of extreme sports videos, and that was in, uh, where I got a lot of the inspiration of how to cover, how to be, whether it be the bike or, uh, you know, the squirrel suits at the beginning and um, and all that it was all inspired by, you know, real teams uh, and real, uh, real scenarios. So, yeah, bikes are the best. <laughs> it looked awesome when he went over that roadblock and that was so cool. That was, that was cool. I loved it. So um, touching on a completely different part of Bucky's arc on the show. Um, I am a huge Bucky fan and I love all of the character development and all of just the discussion of his mental health and his mental well-being over the course mm-hmm. of the show. Where would you say Bucky has landed at the end of the series mentally? Like going forward, where do you see his kind of position being? I kind of see him at the, as at the beginning, actually. Because if you think about, you know, in the in the psychiatrist scene where he is, um, she says, you know, you're free. And he says, but to do what? 
you know, this is a man who's trying to find his relevance. And I mean, both characters are actually trying to find their relevance going forward, but from, from sort of different lanes. And so Bucky is, uh, you know, he's kind of, he's got his mind back, but he also has the memories. So he's going to have to cope with how to find, how to deal with the guilt that comes with, you know, going forward. And this is a true mental health arena that we were tapping into both from the PTSD side to it of it and also to trauma um, or psychosis where you come out and you're, you're now you have to deal with real life. And that that's horrific because it's not like you don't remember all the things you did or you were while you're, you're, you know, while you were in an altered state. So going forward from here and that, that's why the, the Sam uh, moment where he says, you know, you, you you got it wrong. You're trying to fix yourself. You can fix somebody else. You know, uh, serve others. And so he sort of realizes, oh, I've, I've I've been getting it wrong. I've been trying to do these things for my sake. And actually, I've got uh, I'm second on this tier. I'm going to have to to heal. I'm going to have to do it for their sake. And so we get we have the impression that he's gone through the whole book, right? We we crossed off all the names. So he's been doing the work. Um, but at the, I would say at the end, it's kind of at the end of our show, it's kind of like his beginning because for the first time, I think he can now start to connect with himself as who he now is going to be. And also he's got to grow into being a man of the present. This is a, you know, he's 105 years old, which we play with, you know, and we enjoy with on the date, but truthfully he is 105 years old. And so he's not. He's not technologically kind of inclined and he's certainly not ready to deal with the new woman who is, you know, very forthright and, and so on and so forth. So there's lots of fun to be had, I think, with him going forward. I hope I look anything like Sebastian Stan when I'm 105 years old. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know that the, the production was like, I, I found this really interesting how you guys talked about this stuff in the assembled episode today. I know obviously you guys got shut down for a while and came back and Malcolm has talked about how some story elements were changed, but not much like most of it was maintained. But I am curious, like how, like the release schedule moved. Like this was originally like a post Black Widow thing and it became a pre Black Widow after WandaVision. And then Vanity Fair, I don't know if you saw this, Vanity Fair said that, uh, that Val was supposed to debut in Black Widow. And I'm, I, I, would, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I would love to hear like, was, was she like added post shutdown? Was this like a, a, a no, no, change was or was she always, always yeah. part of the show? Like how did that come to be? She was always part of the show. And uh, in fact, we filmed her uh, pre pre shutdown, so she was uh, yeah yeah. No, we didn't really. You know, I'm sure Malcolm said the same thing. We didn't really change that much because we started shooting long before, well, not long before the pandemic, but long enough that we 75 percent of the show was already in the can. Um, so this wasn't about us pivoting story wise. It was really just about us tweaking because at the same time we were already in the this arena. We were already you know, uh, dealing with these big topics and themes. So we were well down the road. What it did allow us to do, we went into post-production because, uh, you know, we used the time wisely and we were able to kind of sharpen our pencil. So we were really looking at all all the material we had, the characters that we were discovering, because a lot of, don't forget, we were discovering who Sam is. We were discovering who Bucky is because for the actors as well as for the storyline we'd never gone home with them 
and Carly, we were just kind of discovering, oh, there's, so we were tweaking that kind of stuff. Um, and John Walker, we had done a lot of work. You know, John was a really, um, I, I loved how we came at him, which was kind of allowing a certain amount of experimentation to be part of how we found who he was, because we could have come at him with many different ways. And, and Wyatt's a, a very funny guy. And so, you know, there was plenty of um, experimenting with how lighthearted to make him uh, or how, how earnest. And, and this was, so we did a lot of work where um, in each scene, we might calibrate it a couple of different ways because we wanted to see in the end, when we looked at the whole piece, because we shot it like a movie. So uh, we looked at six episodes and said, oh, let's dial them here and let's dial them there. And we had the, the footage and the, and the, um, you know, the different takes uh, to be able to do that. So um, that's what we really focused on uh, during the pandemic. And then at the same time, uh, of course, there was a lot going on in the world, both politically and uh, with the you know, racial, racially charged um, protests and so on. And so it sort of just gave us the heart that we were right on, you know, our, our relevance was becoming even more and more so pronounced, which just, again, just made us sharpen our pencil. And so, uh, I have to follow up of, at the topic of Val. By, I know a few of you have the Marvel keys to the kingdom. <laughs> Val, John, some of these folks, I mean, Thunderbolts, Baron Zemo. Can you, do you want to see that? Do you know anything about that? What can you tell us? <laughs> Can tell you nothing because I'm not. See no evil, see no, hear no. Smart, very smart, very very well played. Uh, and and I, I want to move on to Isaiah Bradley and Jenna. I want to let you take this. Um, so we we are huge fans of Isaiah on this show, and especially of the way that you guys represented him on the show. Um, I find it really interesting that you both honored the comics and also put a unique spin on it by having Isaiah's legacy be honored through Sam, as opposed to in the comics, it's more honored through Steve. Um, can you? talk about bringing those kind of moments between the two of them to life in that relationship because it is ob it's clearly like one of the most impactful things out of the show well yeah, first of all um the desire to make isaiah to to support the importance of that character uh in a storyline i think was uh, first and foremost because he's a huge hugely important character to to reveal right and uh, in our within our story uh, uh, that there was a black super soldier and that he was abused um, uh, you know, I think right there, uh, it had to have a really strong, you know, real estate in, in, in our storyline, but at the same time, it couldn't really be plot motivated. It was more character plot. So it became <clears throat> our touchstone for Sam as he is pondering what it is to take up the shield, um, whether his own community is ready, whether certainly, you know, this is a very white iconic symbol and it was going to cost him in some way uh, both through the white community and through his own community so in so doing who is he going to talk to about that you know and so Isaiah became a perfect touchstone for him first of all to you know be reeling with the this new information that that um, he feels betrayed for, for not knowing that you know that that uh, that no one told him and now, you know, we sort of said, oh, well, Steve didn't really know, only, only Bucky knew. But that, even that is a betrayal because, uh, you know, sort of um, telling a lie by omission. But then it, there could only be one person to say to him, no self-respecting black man will pick up that shield. And, right? and it had to be Isaiah. 
So I think that's one of the strongest lines of the show for Sam to have to really consider what it's going to be. So yeah, that had to be Isaiah. It, it, it also, I mean, they say several times, Steve Rogers is gone, uh, which I find interesting. Is that, can we, can we rule, can we say Steve is like dead of the MC? Like that's, a, that's, is he on the moon? Cause I, cause D- Danny told me that's my kind of improv. <laughs> Danny told me that line was kind of improv that, that you guys tried a few different things and that's the one that stuck. And then here we are, the whole world now is like, is Chris. No, he's, he's definitely on the moon. <laughs> Aaron, did uh, did you want to ask anything about Eli? Oh, yeah. Uh, So uh, we we see Eli hovering around the background. Terrible as his jumper may be, missing that jump shot. Uh, Can we expect (laughs) to see him again at at some point? We saw some stuff on Instagram with his family talking a little bit about Patriot. I hope so. You know, wasn't he a lovely character? And, uh, and, you know, what I I really (laughs) love was... He and Sam kind of doing that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get some manners, son. You know, and exactly. I, um, I just loved uh, what he brought to that that role because you know it, it also <clears throat> what we were trying to convey um, not only through him but through Sarah's children uh, the legacy, the idea of generational legacy, and so uh, you know across the board, whether it be a, a character like an Eli. Um, or uh, these kids, and one of the one of the, I think Kevin's favorite shots, and certainly mine. And it was again an impromptu moment where I said, uh, you know, let's just try this. The the little um, the Sarah's son, and he's drawing the shield, uh, drawing the star on the shield, touching it, kind of like the, you know, can I touch the shield? Um, which is and the, the kids playing with the shield. Uh, Bucky, the sort of the pennies drop for the first time when Bucky sees these young boys playing with the shield and enjoying it and owning it. And that's a a really strong moment when you think about um, what's been denied, this white sort of iconic symbol, what's been denied to legacy. And so these were small threads, but really important ones. Love it. Now, before we get to a couple more of our questions, we have some fans uh, who have a couple questions. I want to bring, uh, we have a fan from Greece right now that that has a has a fun question. This is George Bikos. George, welcome to Phase Zero, man. Hi, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Greetings from Greece. Yes, uh, if I'm from here, um, really nice to meet you. Uh, it's an honor. Congratulations for the show, and I really hope we get to see you direct the next uh, Captain America project. Either it's a series. And this is an movie. You're gonna have to. You're gonna I have think to. You, I that. think you have your. Yeah, I think you have your headphones uh, microphone a little low. Okay. Coming in really quietly. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, now there it's he good. is. Try it again. Yeah. Um, so, did you hear anything, or should I? Yeah, we just need the question. I think we just need yeah, to go for the. Thing. We heard the beginning. Go ahead, go ahead with yeah. the question. Yeah. So, uh, five years ago in Civil War, we got to see Baron Zemo. Um, you know, take the Avengers apart one by one, all by himself, uh, making him a special villain for the MCU. Um, fast forward to episode three, uh, we got to see Baron Zemo in Madripoor in a nightclub. You know, dancing. <laughs> Uh, and this short 10 second clip 
like exploded. It went viral uh, for several days. Even Marvel posted a, an one-hour loop uh, of Zemo dancing. Uh, so wrapping up this uh, series, did you predict, did you have any idea that this short clip would explode like that? No idea. Uh, you know, what was fun about the whole nightclub, uh, you know, idea and, and experience of it, I wanted everyone to see the guys uh, just as people. You know, and one of the things about doing the six-hour version of a movie as compared to a two-hour version is you can actually do that. You, you can kind of go off course for a little bit <clears throat> with the characters to new places and see them in different different um, backgrounds and settings. So the nightclub, I wanted to see them uh, kind of having fun. There's nowhere in the story, really, that they can just have fun. They can have banter with each other, but uh, the fun of it is um, is limited because they're on such a big you know, mission. So uh, that was totally Daniel's moment where and it, he ad-libbed that we were shooting, um, you know, varying parts of the club. And of course, the music was going and we did probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 takes of different you know, different uh, parts of that scene. And so I guess he got, you know, just got into it. So he, we had three cameras on him. So he was, you know, dancing away. And uh, uh, we, of course, cut it in. And, uh, but with no idea. Other than it was terrific to see, and to get it to know Zemo a little bit differently as a human. Because as you said, he took the Avengers apart one by one. But um, we got to get a feel for who he might have been before and certainly who he is now. So uh, that was all part of that same big plan. Now, <clears throat> I, I hope the next time we film something like that, um, I'll get Anthony and Sebastian doing the same thing. We have to pay homage somehow, don't we? <laughs> and he's also got a Sutkovia uh, uh, brand that he has to market now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. George, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, and we have we have one more fan I want to get to. This is Layla from the UK, uh, who has a, a fun question for you as well. Richard, is Layla with us? Hi, Layla. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so I just want to say that ever since I started liking Marvel, Sam and Bucky have been like two of my favorite characters. So them just getting their own show has been like the dream project for me and I just loved it so much so thank you okay. um, so I wanted to know I love I loved it um so I wanted to know if you could have Sam and Bucky team up with or just have more interactions with any other Marvel character who would it be and why wow uh that's a big one um who would it be and why well you know would it, would, would <laughs> Spider Man? Would that be interesting? <laughs> I mean, Racky and Tom Holland. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's so funny. I'm I'm so inside the the the. I was going to say Sharon Carter, but of course they kind of have had that interaction, so that becomes a little dull. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It might be fun to see see them with Spider Man. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you uh, so much, Layla, for coming on the show. Great question. Thank you for having me. Layla has a store behind her. Look at all those. <laughs> Look at that. I know. Look at the collection. See, I was inspired by all your Spider-Man. 
<laughs> you got all these little okay, they're all here yeah I have the Sam and Bucky ones here too do you already oh wow I've got I've got them somewhere as well they're hilarious oh here they go let's see yeah take a look have you seen these oh yeah see that now they have the new Sam Wilson Captain America ones too that are, are just ready to take all my money <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Layla thank you so much you were great Thank you for coming on. I'm happy we got to do that. We uh, we promised in the first episode of Phase Zero that we would get some fans uh, connected with some of the Marvel family, and it's an absolute privilege to do it. Thank you, Kari, for being a great sport with our fans. Oh, no worries. My pleasure. I'm, I'm thrilled with how engaged they are with this show. I mean, that was also, uh, I think, uh, one of the agendas was to, you know, the conversation, the deeper themes that we're talking about, you know, the sort of heavier stuff that's always underneath the, the surface of any Marvel uh, project because they do really like, uh, you know, pushing the envelope and, and having, you know, promoting social change and, and looking at uh, relevance, uh, you know, social issues. And so to see the engagement of the audience has been really extraordinary. Yeah. The Marvel family, I'm I'm really engaged with so many fans on Twitter and they like, it's so so many good people who are just trying to have fun with it and like create an inclusive, awesome environment. And I love that. Um, Now in the, in the last answer, you talked about Sharon Carter. They already, uh, they already work together. Jenna has a good question for you about Sharon Carter. Um, So Sharon's arc across the entire series is just really fascinating. I know a lot of people didn't expect, especially when she was introduced all those years ago, that she would end up being a villain and have this twist tied to her. So what was the pitch and the process like with Emily of trying to develop that twist and that arc of her becoming a villain? Well, you know, it was actually pretty difficult because uh, we knew where we were going with it. And you wanted to be able to watch the show afterwards and go, oh, yeah. I see now. Um, but at the same time, we couldn't wink or nod at, at the audience or at, you know, we had to keep the lid on it. <laughs> so it was a really a, a bit of a dance to make sure that we didn't give it away, but that if you look at it a second time, you, you get that she's fully, you know, manipulating the situation. It was a lot of fun to imagine and to, for her to do all the uh, rehearsals involved and, and to design the, the fight sequences. I wanted them to have a really new level of badassery. And so she uh, took it on, you know, outside the uh, Dr. Nagel's um, lab in the shipyards. She took that on like a trooper. And uh, I I think that's some of the better fight sequences that we managed to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also, I want to, before we wrap up, I want to talk about Carly Morgenthau. Uh, who was was Aaron Kellerman? Aaron Kellerman did such a great job with this character. Aaron, uh, you had a good question for this one. Um, so she starts out. We, we've heard that she starts out kind of as a hero. Um, what? Where's like the line where she sort of crosses over into being the antagonist for the series for you? Well, you know, first of all. Uh, one of the things we were looking at is, you know, radicalization, right? So how does someone like her, this lovely, innocent face who is saying a lot of the right things and her cause is a good cause. Um, and so we, it's a slippery slope. The point was we were trying to take a uh, look at what that slippery slope is, which is sort of the, the process of radicalization uh, where it starts to just shift and then shift and then shift and turns it toxic. So never did she lose the, uh, the true passion for what she wanted to do as being a good thing. 
But as she, as Mama Danya died, and I think that's for me where it switched and her anger at the injustice of what that was is the turning point where she starts to go, okay, they're not hearing me. The GRC, which is the, you know, sort of the great establishment, they're not hearing me. So I'm going to ratchet up my game because they're going to pay attention somehow because her death is not going to be in vain. And that's where she starts going. And of course she starts taking her, her flag smashers with her because they've gone the distance and they kind of buy in, but you, you see each one of them getting squeamish over every line that they're crossing. What I loved about this storyline and, and how we presented it was also Sam, and this is something I'd love to just jam in here if you don't mind, is Sam um, is very much about the discussion of what is a hero. And so he is, as he's considering the shield and considering this world that he's in uh, and what he's fighting against, he's also grappling with the question of what is the hero of today and the future and what was the hero? And she's part of that conversation. As she says, the, the shield should be given up. This is, it's old, it's an old idea. And he said the same thing at the very beginning when he said, you know, this, this shield is for, for him and the man who carried it, but it's not relevant for the future. We need new heroes. So the new paradigm, you know, if that was the old hero, which is sort of warrior soldier, uh, which came out of the 30s, which was an anti-fascist movement, then the new hero is frontline worker. It's uh, first responder. And so that, that whole world has opened up. And that's who Sam was and is because he's a, uh, you know, he's a uh, counselor for soldiers and such. So he never lost his, even though Zemo said, you know, she, she, you're believing in the wrong person. She's going to be, she's going to be bad. <laughs> and she did turn out kind of be bad, but I felt like she, even though she did some heinous things and, and I felt like the two of them kind of reconnected because he never lost his faith that she was right, that she could be brought back from the ledge and that he could help her harness that energy, which was a good energy that had gone wrong. And that's why he refuses to fight with her at the end. How many heroes do you, do you see uh, saying, I won't fight you. I won't, you know, I won't fight the villain. Stop it. And then as she's dying, she says, I'm sorry. And I think that's the moment for me where I, she's a little bit vindicated or a little bit redeemed, I should say. Um, and he's a bit vindicated in the sense that he, she, she was the right soul. She, she did have goodness in her, but she, you know, she, it cost her everything. Her poor decisions cost her everything. So I just wanted to jam that in there because that's that. all surrounded in the Carly conversation. And, um, and as she's poking holes at what a hero is, so is Sam. And I also really like the parallel you make there with the, the how many times you see a hero who won't fight the villain. The only other time I can think I've seen that is Steve Rogers. Right. When he when he wouldn't fight Bucky as the Winter Soldiers. I love exactly. that. Uh, exactly. And so that's, that's the, the makeup or the DNA of of someone who uh, deserves is deserving of, of you know, the, the thoughtfulness of what it is to carry that shield. Yeah. And, and, and my last thing for you, uh, when you when you're crafting this final showdown in New York, uh, and I'm sure everybody who directs any MCU project is going to get a similar question because now following Endgame, all these characters and these heroes know each other. Like, do you, do you consider like, Oh, should we have a character pop in? Should we have like a logo, like a daily bugle, or I don't know anything 
that would be like iconography or imagery that would signify the presence of other New York heroes. And I'm sure people are going to run into that when they go to California and other, th- and other parts of the MCU in the future. Did you ever have to have conversations like that? Like, where's Spider-Man no. at this point? Where's, where's J. Jonah Jameson? Where's Doctor Strange? <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, I think everyone in the storytelling uh, side of, of, you know, the creative of uh, Marvel, we just look at each story as its own thing. And um, so even though it cross-pollinates in other ways, it never, the story itself remains um, individual to, to itself. It serves only itself. So no, it didn't, um, we didn't wonder where, where, where the, who, shouldn't we be calling, you know, Spider-Man or somebody? <laughs> we didn't have that conversation, thankfully, because, you know, you can imagine from my perspective, uh, almost every scene in this show, I have, particularly in the action sequences, I have six characters fighting each other, sometimes eight. That's a lot of coverage. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of choreography. So I'm very happy that there was no more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it came out fantastic. We do have one fan. This is a pre-recorded message from a fan that I want to play because Dottie is in the comment section. They are with us every week. Dottie is an awesome fan of Phase Year. I want to get this question out before we before we send you off. Richard, roll out. Roll Dottie's question, please. Hi, my name is Dottie and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And let me just start by saying that your show is absolutely amazing and it has brought me so much joy over the past two months. Uh, but my question for you is, if you had to format the Falcon and the Winter Soldier like WandaVision, what classics that come with you cast Sam and Bucky in? What classics that wow. come with you cast Sam and Bucky in? So, I, you know, I was thinking about it. I, so all these old sitcoms came to my mind, like um, but like old ones, because I, I don't know why I'm sort of inspired by the idea that uh, Bucky is, you know, 105. But I guess, truthfully, the odd couple comes to the fore. I thought Sanford's done for a second, if you remember that sort of grumpy, uh, grumpy old guy. But really, the odd couple, don't you think? Yeah, I know a co-host who would very much agree with you, who's not here with us today. Uh, Jamie Direct, though, would certainly agree with you. I love yeah, that. Of course, everybody, the, the, the Odd Couple hasn't been played for probably, I don't know, 25 years or something. But it was in so many reruns. Oh, People will not have to do them together, and then they'll see what I mean. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I just I just typed it in because I'm not even super familiar with The Odd Couple. But yeah, uh, I'm not. Okay, I heard couple and Jamie, Jamie is uh Jamie is one of our co-hosts who very much ships Bucky and Sam together. Uh, and so I, I thought that would make her happy, but uh, listen, Kari, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I could talk to you for the next six hours. So I'm going to let you go now before we do that. Uh, we genuinely appreciate you coming on phase zero and huge congratulations on, I, I love the show. So I hope Marvel calls you back and I'm following your journey. I wherever you go so next. Too. I've got my, my phone sitting right here, ready to ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I hope I will talk to you soon. You're free to close out and it'll just take you right out of here. We're going to keep you. going and run through the news here. <laughs> All right. Uh, huge thanks to our guest, Kari Skogan, for an awesome show. Uh, we're going to take a one minute break and then we're going to come back with some MCU news. Maybe we'll talk about that interview a little bit more. We'll dissect some of it with you here in the comment section. Uh, but we'll see you in 60 seconds, everybody. Right back on Phase Zero. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I love our intro music. Welcome back to Phase Your everybody. It's BD. I'm joined with Aaron and Jenna. We just had Kari Skogan on the show. I just want to say, first of all, I'm so happy we got to have fans live because that's been a goal of mine, and I want to keep expanding on that and doing more stuff like that going forward. Huge thanks uh, to Kari for being with us, but also to George and Layla and Dottie for being awesome guests on the show as well. Like, it, you know, if anybody is anything less than respectful and awesome and kind on the show, that's going to ruin it for everybody. And we had some awesome guests uh, who we trusted to come on here and they knocked it out of the park. So that was super cool. I know that was um, so much fun. That was great. Yeah. Aaron, did you have any big takeaways from, from that interview that you thought were fun to discuss and think about further? I want to know who bought Avengers Tower. She's lying. She told me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I was hoping uh, that New York question would, would drum up some, but I'm sure that's how it goes. That, that, you're focused on your story, so that was cool. But sorry, go ahead. One day, someone's going to slip up, BD, and they're going to let you know who <laughs> bought Avengers Tower, and we will. The internet will be able to rest. Um, it, go ahead. If Malcolm Spellman hasn't said it yet, I don't know. I don't know who will. Malcolm Spellman has said, I, "I'm sure Kevin Feige's like, man, <laughs> I need to calm down." That was a great interview. He's a super insightful interview, but yeah. he's been making headlines that I'm like, "Wow, he said he said that." Right. I'm just like, oh, the thing about there being more projects that we don't know about, I'm like, somewhere there's just like Kevin Feige, like, we need to hire more snipers. (laughs) So, like, does that put him above Russell Crowe and Alfred? (laughs) (laughs) Just below that. It's like, okay, we need to put blinders on every single person who comes to work for us. They cannot look at the full, like, murder board of everything we have planned because otherwise they're going to say stuff like this. No, no, murder board at Marvel Studios means something different. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's where you see a GIF of Mark Ruffalo saying half of them die. Like, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Kari was a super fun interview. I, I, I wanted to ask her. There's just I, this is my inner film nerd that like that one shot where where Zemo steps on the vials. I know. Like they 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 created. They had to create a glass floor for oh, that. They definitely and, did. Yeah. And I would love to hear about that. But you know, I, I, we got to talk about the Marvel of it all. So. So I didn't get to that. But yes, Iron, I have derailed this conversation five times <laughs> since asking you if there was anything that you thought was really cool. What, what did you take away? I, I really um, enjoyed sort of like the thought of like her talking about Carl Lumbly and using him as like, you know, sort of a, a center to ask the questions that, you know, would naturally sort of occur for Sam while he's choosing to take up the mantle. There's no better sort of person to deliver that sort of message to Sam. And it really was nice to hear that that we really considered like, you know, Isaiah's story and how that sort of would have to be here. It would absolutely, you can't have, you know, 
uh, Sam as a black man take up this mantle without talking to the guy who was his forebearer in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it, it, I wonder if Isaiah is the character that Malcolm Spellman was talking about when he said there was a character we almost didn't get, mm. but we got him and they were really important to the show. I wonder if Isaiah was that character. Maybe. Jenna, what, what was your what was your big takeaway from the interview? I, I like there was so much of it that was fascinating. Like I agree with you. I want I would have picked her brain for hours just from like a film school perspective. Like yes. I, I wanted to just know so many things, but like I think everything she said was just so fascinating. Like hearing about the costume and the process of developing that, and then like hearing that Val was not a post COVID like addition to the show. Cause I know there's been so many different reports in the past couple of weeks that have said so many different things. So it was kind of cool to get a definitive answer on that. But yeah, I could have listened to her talk for hours. Like everything was just amazing. Yeah, that was uh, the Val bar. The Val part was very interesting. And I am curious if that is accurate that she's in black widow, but yeah, finally we'll know on July 9th because the movie's <laughs> actually coming out. It's finally. actually arriving in theaters and <laughs> <of> Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you all want to talk more about that, if you have questions, I'm reading the Twitch comment section. I have it up here on one window. Uh, but I'm going to get to some of the MCU news. It was a pretty chill week for the MCU. Nothing super crazy happened. Uh, it's been a busy week for me, though, so if I miss something, somebody please correct me. Uh, but first of all, I want to talk about the, the Sideshow Hot Toys figure <laughs> of Captain America. Did you guys see this? Yeah. It is beautiful. <laughs> it is unbelievable. It looks like they actually shrunk Anthony Mackie in this costume and you can now own a one sixth size real life <laughs> Anthony Mackie and put it on your shelf. I just want, if you haven't seen it, everybody, uh, we have it on the site. You can just Google it. Sideshow Hot Toys, Sam Wilson, Captain America. The thing is gorgeous. I, I think it's, it, I don't know how much I haven't looked at the price. I'm guessing it's got to be north of $300. <laughs> Yeah. But every time I see a Hot Toys, I'm just like, this is beautiful, but way out of my price range. It's like, I will just buy like 30 Funko Pops for that price and just like, because otherwise I'm just going to feel some sort of remorse if I spend that much money at once. That sound you hear, that sound you hear is everybody's wallets crying. Just everybody's wallets crying in unison right now. Because it's gorgeous, (laughs) but my goodness. See, I made the jump from Funkos to Hot Toys because I, I got to a point where like I only have so many shelves and I filled mm-hmm. them with Funkos. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what I can do is continue buying Funko Pops or like once a year I can buy like a Hot Toys figure. And it's become like mm, once and a half a year. But uh, but I, I I love those things. But I love Funkos too. It's tough. It's t- it's I just need to go win the lottery, man. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Why haven't I won the lottery yet? Uh, Zochitl, I hope I said her name right. Zochitl Gomez, I think that's how you say her name, uh, posted a photo on Instagram of America Chavez from comics. So that's coming in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Anybody super excited in particular for for Chavez? I I so I watched the Babysitters Club reboot that that she was on, and she was so great. Like every actress on that show was just incredible i'm like you guys all need to be in things but so as soon as she was cast as america it was like i can visualize this so perfectly like she is perfectly cast and so i'm just really curious how they're going to approach america in the mcu because especially since they cast her much younger than she usually is portrayed in the comics it feels like we're really going to get to grow with her over the course of her mcu tenure like it's not like we're casting her as like a young adult or like a college age kid and that's just kind of it it's like we're really going to see her come into her own as a hero and i think that's going to be really interesting Yes, fully agree. I love how Marvel's Marvel's casting has set up characters and cast members that are going to be with us for a long time, it seems. And we're going to get to spend time with them and grow with them. And that's going to be awesome. 
we have a comment. Zochitil Gomez is the correct pronunciation, says Julia Delbell. Thank you, Julia. Uh, Manatees Manatees wants us to talk about Cap 4. So I don't know how much there's to talk about. I'm actually working on a video this afternoon that I'm going to post next week on comicbook.com. 10 things we know about Captain America 4. I don't know what all 10 are yet. I got to do some research. <laughs> but uh, Malcolm Spellman downplayed it in an interview uh, I'm sure several interviews. Uh, when I talked to him on Monday, he said, did Kevin Feige say that? Did you hear that from Kevin? No, then don't put too much faith in it. Yeah. Okay. Tatiana Maslany. Okay. Sasha Banks. Okay. Kit Harrington. We believe you. I mean, Captain America four is happening. I saw an interesting conversation on social media. Some people think the Russo brothers should direct Captain America four. Hmm. I'm a big fan of the Russo brothers. That being said, I don't know that I need the Russo brothers to direct Anthony Mackie's Captain America movie. I agree. Honestly, I, I feel like, like I have seen, especially after winter soldier, which I will still say is my favorite MCU movie ever. It's like, I have seen their take on cap and I feel like it would, this is a perfect opportunity to bring in another director and potentially like a director of color to come in and kind of put their own stamp on what the franchise are like would be. And like on the idea of having a black captain America. So as much as I could see them directing it, I feel like they don't need to, I think you should give that position to somebody else and let them do their own thing. They did a great job, but I'm not opposed to them doing more Marvel work in the future. But I think Cap 4 could use a fresh voice behind that camera. Aaron, what do you think? It's the story about taking on, you know, we just covered him taking on a new identity, right? We got to have somebody else in there to help define what Sam is, you know? Like, in some ways, you know, as much as we all love the Russo brothers, it it, it would be, you know, sort of looked at as, is this going to be as good as Winter Soldier? Is this going to be as good as the other movie, the other movies they've produced for it? So I, I would like to see someone else, specifically a director of color, tackle it as well. Oh, the comment section is going crazy for Regina King right now. Yo! That! That! Give me that! Yes. That's fine. <laughs> Regina I, King for Cat 4? <laughs> yeah. My, my dream Cat 4 director would never do it, and he's Boots Riley, who did Sorry to Bother You, which is one of the best and weirdest films I've ever seen in my life, and it's one of those things where I would love to see him take on a comic book movie, but I know he would never do it in a million years, and it kills me, because I'm like, I just would love to see him take on Sam's cap or any other character and kind of put his own stamp on it. But yeah, Regina King, yes, I'm, I would be here for that. Uh, I'm here for Regina King. There's also people in the comments who are saying that, that Kari did such a great job on Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'd like to see her direct it again. I, I don't, you know, I, it all comes down to uh, style, choices, story. I, and I, I trust Marvel to pick the right the right people to direct this or right person to direct this, um, which might be. It, it's definitely someone new, in my opinion. It's definitely bring someone new in for this franchise. Uh, next up, let's talk about Ironheart. Uh, they got a writer in Chanaka Hodge who is best known for Snowpiercer. I haven't watched Snowpiercer, so I can't really speak to this too strongly. Have you have either of you watched Snowpiercer? I, I have watched all two seasons. Um, I, I actually can't remember like any which of the episodes she's written, but like when I was writing up the news of her joining Ironheart, it was like she's in a hip hop group with Debbie Diggs and is like best friends with him. And I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know. Like she seems perfectly suited because she's a poet and an educator and has TV experiences. Like if, if there's anybody who's going to take on what Riri's story is in the comics, I feel like she is kind of a perfect person to do that. So I am super jazzed that she's on board and that there's forward momentum on that show. Yeah. It, it's nice to see some development on these future projects and the unannounced projects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations to Chloe Zhao who won an Oscar 
Burnout Madland. That's amazing. Uh, and also there was a, I don't know who said it. Somebody, I think it might've been Chloe, might've been Kevin. Somebody said that Chloe wanted to go super practical for Eternals. And apparently Kevin Feige was like, what's that? That was me. I think Kevin Feige was trending on Twitter for reacting to the idea of practical stuff in the Eternals. It's hard to imagine the Eternals being practical, to be fair, because they're like an immortal race that does a lot of cosmic stuff. They got celestials. Like, how are you going to do that practically? I, I just find it fascinating, the idea of like, oh my gosh, a Marvel movie, movie didn't shoot on a green screen. This is like breaking news. This is so amazing. Oh my gosh. So I am very curious to see. I think there is a way to shoot on a practical location and still have Celestials and big space fights and more of those practical elements. So I'm just really excited for that. But I, it was kind of funny seeing Kevin Feige and his whole thing of like, hey guys, hey, hey, other studio execs, this is practical. Did you see this was practical? It was like, come on, man. Like I, I, I respect it, but it was just very charming at the same time <laughs> I, I do need to i do need to backtrack here dotty and uh others in the comments are correcting me chloe won two oscars yes i, I said i said an oscar so so <laughs> put, i will put the proper respect on chloe's name uh and huge news the biggest news of the week perhaps <laughs> uh this one really rocked the mcu world on twitter stan twitter was going crazy everybody lost their mind i think Twitter actually shut down for a moment because there was too many tweets about this. <laughs> JB Smoove is back for Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, can't believe it. Now that's uh, cool. You know, everyone else is there. So like, I, you know, I, I'm just looking at the cast list for uh, the cast. The, the credits for Spider-Man No Way Home are going to be longer than an episode of Phase Zero. <laughs> This is the new, like, when, when the Dune movie was casting and everyone was like, this random person's in Dune, this random person's in Dune. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home is the new version of that, of just, like, everybody is in this movie. You are in this movie and you don't even realize it kind of thing. It's, it's just pure insanity, what's going on there. I can't wait for that movie. Benedict Cumberbatch is in the movie. I mean, Tom Holland, obviously. Is Tom Holland even in the movie? Does he have time to be in the movie? <laughs> He's a supporting like, character. <laughs> let me know if I miss anybody, because this movie now includes Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Adelon, J.K. Simmons, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, everyone, uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, apparently, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Everyone's lying to us. Uh, oh, I, JB Smoove, I'm I'm failing. Like, there's so many more people in this movie. Obviously, Alfred Molina, Mr. Alfred Molina, Spoiler. Jamie Fox, <laughs> Barack Obama's in the movie. <laughs> says the comment section. <laughs> if Barack Obama shows up in Spider-Man No Way Home, I will have a Captain America picking up Thor's hammer moment. I will go. I will go ham in the theater in excitement. <laughs> oh, Charlie Cox. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Jim Viscardi's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huge, huge. Kirsten Dunst was rumored, says Brandon Moore. The Kirsten Dunst bit is the one that I would believe to be not true. And there's a couple of reasons. I'm just I'm just trying to say maybe somebody's not in the movie. A, Tom Holland was very quick to say, like when it gets to Toby and Andrew, he's like, oh, they're not in the movie. I've never met them. I don't know. But when it came to Kirsten Dunst, he was like, no, I've, I've, I've never met her. Like I've met Toby and I've, I've been in the same place as Andrew, but I've never met Kirsten. So I uh, don't know if she's in Spider-Man. No way home. Uh, maybe Wanda. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah. If anybody has any questions, drop them in the comment section right now. We're going to wrap up the show. I don't want to, drag us on here if we don't have anything left to talk about i feel like we have uh, we've covered a lot of ground today Definitely, this has been a yeah. great show 
Kari was a fantastic guest on today's show. Yeah. Aaron, was there anything you want to talk about while we while we, while I stall for the comments to throw some questions at us? I, I just was going to joke around about what is the freaking theatrical poster for No Way Home going to be? If it's not like an <laughs> homage to like Spider-Man 100 with all the faces, oh. we riot. Like, because there's so oh. many freaking people in it. You just keep putting people in the background, you know? Like, Honestly, that might be what to do it. Those first two posters for like for Homecoming and for Far From Home had such just like graphic design as my passion energy. Like they, I, I, I like liked them the more that I looked at them. But from the get go, it was like these just look like a high school kid almost made them. And I know that was kind of part of the appeal. So part of me is almost like just do a weird like scrapbook kind of version of just everybody who's in the movie. Do like a high school yearbook kind of thing. Like really lean into the high school aspect of it if you're really going to go for it. Right. Exactly. The first look at the. Spider-Man No Way Home poster. Oh, boy. <laughs> Literally every Marvel character ever. My goodness. I can't, I can't wait to get that first look. I saw I uh, Grace Randolph was saying the trailer's coming in June or July, which, like, I mean... That's uh, that's I, I don't know if that you could even call that a scoop. Like, yeah, no. six months before the movie's coming out, we, we're supposed to get a trailer. Makes sense. Probably true. Don't know. No inside information myself. Probably true. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 is done filming, says Brady Guy 19. Yes, I shouldn't have answered your question because you're a Tom Brady fan. Uh, <laughs> maybe Loki shows up in Spider-Man. Joanna, I don't think so. Uh, Milking Cows says Moo, question mark. Moo <laughs> indeed. Uh, and Venom 2 trailer is supposedly soon, says our comment sections casually cosplaying you heard it from casually cosplaying first venom 2 trailer supposedly when does that movie come out i forget <sighs> i think it was october but they might have delayed it again i honestly don't know venom 2 did it move to 2022 no that was morbius mm. september uh, 24th 2021 okay. so that one is not going to disney plus apparently maybe it is no. who knows uh, what about Morbius? I don't. The only reason I'm excited for Morbius is because Michael Keaton is in it so far. So far. So far. Yeah. I could I could get excited. I could be convinced the movie's good if it's good. But right now, it's not towards the top of my list. And last thing here, Rofiner Dairy, Moon Knight News, question mark. Jim Viscardi's not on the show. I just wanted to talk about him with this one. <laughs> I just wanted him to know we're talking about Moon Knight without him. The Moon Knight cast is one that's really looking incredible. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, right? Yeah. And that that thing is shit. It starts production this year. Mm-hmm. And um, hold on, I'm looking at this right now. May Calamay, Calamay. <laughs> I'm t- it's tough when you come at these names unprepared and I, I feel like such a fool when I can't pronounce somebody's name. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, all right. Now I'm just rambling. Now I'm just rambling and we're going to wrap up today's show. Aaron, final thoughts for today's Phase Zero episode. Grace us with some of your tremendous intelligence, please. Uh, I was just so thrilled to have Kari uh, on. It was really nice to hear like all the sorts of like inside baseball stuff behind everything. I think the funny thing is that even though people try not to tip with, you know, the stuff that Feige doesn't want out, the fact that she talks so much about legacy Seems like that might be our key theme here in phase four because Black Widow's about legacy. Obviously, Falcon Wear Soldier's about legacy. Who knows? It might come up in Loki somehow. I'm pretty sure Hawkeye is definitely about legacy. Miss Marvel is. So we're starting to get some threads. Even though we don't have like a big bad yet, it would seem that that's probably our core like theme for this phase for real. 
these young Avengers, man. They're, they're forming. There's there's so many to pick from. There's so mm-hmm. many young Avengers to pick from right now. WandaVision introduced a couple, you know. Uh, I'm going to be showing up as Nova soon, so that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, anything that you wanted to add to close out today's show? Just, this was just so much fun. This was amazing. Like I said, I, I could just listen to Kari talk about just the inside baseball of it all just for hours. Like this was This was so much fun. Yeah, she was a great guest. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Aaron, for being fantastic co-hosts uh, for today's interview. You guys were great and uh, couldn't have done it without you. So thank you for for making Kari feel welcome and having a fun time with her. Awesome. All right, everybody. We will be back next week with another episode of Phase Zero. If you know a huge Fast and Furious fan, I need you to do me a favor. Send them my way at Brandon Davis BD on Twitter. I need to get in touch with some really big, fast, and furious fans for something I am planning. Uh, we're going to get like an exclusive look at the movie and for a few fans and record some reactions and do some cool stuff with that. So I need some really big, anywhere in the world, fast and furious fans who need a little pick-me-up, who, who are worthy of a surprise and love the franchise and want to celebrate it with me. Uh, so hit me up at Brandon Davis BD. You can find Jenna at Hey, It's Jenna Lynn. You can find Aaron at Summit Lake Hornet. If you want to talk more, use hashtag Phase Zero. We will be skimming through the hashtag on Twitter. Screenshot our show, post it on Instagram. You get a free like from me. Tag me on Twitter. You get a free retweet. The first one. The second one you got to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys for another great episode of Phase Zero. We will see you next Friday for more. Head over to comicbook.com slash Marvel for more updates. I'm BD. I'll see you there.